0: Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. Here's the high-stakes action, to thrilling moments we can't miss. He turns the game at the buzzer! And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. Bam! Bam! The 2024 NBA Finals presented by U2 TV continue on ABC. Hey folks, this is Kevin. For this week's classic Risk single, we're doing something extra special. I wanted to tell you about this new podcast from Stitcher called We Love You and So Can You. It's a spinoff of the show By the Book, where hosts Kristen Meinzer and Jalenta Greenberg, who's been on Risk many times, live by the rules of a different self-help book each episode. So if you like that show, you're going to love their new show, On We Love You and So Can You, Kristen and Jalenta are sending listeners on their own self-help journeys, and they're bringing all of us along for the ride. Each episode features someone who is looking to make over a big part of their life, things like Jumping back into the dating world, or making new friends as a stay-at-home mom, or starting a new career. Since Kristen and Jalenta have spent years living by different self-help books, they have all the perfect knowledge to prescribe their guests with a mix of wellness practices, creative activities, media consumption, and so much more. They guide their guests on their journeys, and we get to eavesdrop on their progress. The goal is to find the outstanding person who was there all along, and learn to love themselves more we love you and so can you is part reality show part self-love school and the best makeover podcast out there you'll have fun and laugh and maybe cry too we'll play a clip in a second so you can hear the show for yourself but i want you to search for we love you and so can you in your podcast app and check out their first episode it's out now and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode okay here's a little bit of we love you and so can you
2: Hey, Jalenta, you know what I've been thinking? Life is great in lots of ways, but just because it's great, that doesn't mean it's always easy.
3: Kristen, what are you talking about? I live a charmed life. I have no problems, and nothing can ever touch me.
2: You know that isn't true, and I know that's not true. Not for you, not for me, not for anyone. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. The fact is, we all face conundrums or find ourselves in the middle of predicaments. And it can be hard to feel all alone in our self-doubts. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this because for the past few months, Jolenta, you and I have been talking to some incredible people who are going through these exact emotions.
3: After living by more than 50 self-help books for our other podcast, By the Book, we have definitely learned a thing or two. And now
2: we're ready to put our self-help knowledge into practice to give our guests a little self-love coaching. It's like a reality makeover show for your heart.
3: Yeah, and spoiler alert, these guests don't really need making over. We're just here to help them discover the amazing person they already are. We hope you'll join us for our first season of We Love You, and So Can You. Watch out for our first episode on August 15th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. It's time to find out how Cameron's first week is going, living by our advice. So, reminder:
2: Cameron had four steps to follow, and Jolenta, I bet you're excited to hear about Cameron's vision board step, aka see it, be it.
3: Ah, uh, yes, you know I love a vision board. I am very curious to hear what Cameron put on his. He recorded an audio diary with Amanda about it. Let's listen.
4: And these are all of my photos. Oh my! That relate to uh, what my what I like about comedy uh-huh. and my hopes and dreams. And well, things that I want to achieve. Uh-huh. So we'll just go through questions. them one okay. by one. Yep. Oh, you have questions? Should I allow no, no, questions? No, no, no. Please, I would rather take the tour first and then take questions, okay. questions for the Hold end. Hold for questions. Yep this i have a lady with a spider on her face yeah I was because that's that what one. came up when i googled exposure therapy because oh god
0: you don't like spiders <laughs> i don't
4: i don't like spiders but also i don't like being nervous and comedy is a way for mm-hmm. me to face my fears in that way and of i think spiders. it's a productive exercise. yeah Comedy's it helps me get a fear of spiders, spiders yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we have Ryan Gosling That's clapping. That's what I was wondering
0: about. I was like, "That's a I respect that, that move."
4: I, I just googled applause because oh. it, it's very, and I thought it would be it would feel really good to have Ryan Gosling I was gonna say a, you're seeking Ryan Gosling's approval. Yeah, yeah. That, that would feel really he good. A, he's at an award show too, so presumably. Like, yeah, so maybe I, I have I have succeeded show. so much that I am presenting an award or yeah. or receiving an award rather.
3: Cut to Ryan Gosling, and
4: Gosling. he's proud of me.
3: So I am not sure how I feel about the spiders, but that was freaking adorable. I love that Cameron shared that with Amanda, and I think it's really gonna help him define what he gets out of his comedy and what it will take to make him feel successful. You know, I am sure if Ryan Gosling knew you, Cameron, he would applaud you so hard.
2: Oh, he definitely would. He he would applaud so hard in that it's Ryan Gosling. such a cute way. Very handsome, asymmetrical mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm.
1: And that was We Love You and So Can You. Listen now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite app. And now for this week's classic Risk single, it's the first story that Jalenta ever shared on Risk. This was on an episode in August of 2012. It's Jalenta Greenberg with a story we call Bringing Up Baby.
5: When I was in sixth grade, I fell in love. I fell in love with Katherine Hepburn. I was in Father David's religion slash drama class, and he showed our class a movie starring Katherine Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart called The African Queen. And the moment the movie started playing, the entire class just sort of erupted in kids making fun of these old-timey people who were talking funny on a boat in a river in Africa. But I, on the other hand, was dumbstruck. I was in awe of of that woman on the screen, and I'd never seen anyone like her. I couldn't get over how fascinating and strong and feminine and amazing she was all at once. And I just thought she was completely captivating, and all I wanted to do was yell at the kids around me to shut up so I could pay attention to that amazing woman that I had never seen before. Catherine Hepburn had lit some some sort of fire in my belly, and I ran up to Father David the second the movie was over and asked him if that lady had made any more movies. And he said, yes, yes, she's made a ton of movies. You should check her out. So that night, I went home and I watched The Philadelphia Story and Bringing Up Baby. And after I watched those two movies, that sealed the deal for me. I was in love. I, I was in love and obsessed with Katherine Hepburn. And it was the kind of obsession that I think only a preteen girl can have. Like, it was, it was the amount of energy that my peers were devoting to, like, Freddie Prince Jr., but for an old lady. It became my mission in life to just consume everything she had ever made or been in or written or anything written about her. And I used to scour the TV guide with a highlighter and highlight showings of her movies. And the more I saw of her and the more I read about her, the more I just loved her. And I loved her because she was everything I wasn't. She was this really strong, confident, sort of brassy woman who was also totally sexy and like had men falling for her left and right, and some women. Just like a feminist trailblazer with sex appeal. And I was a freakishly tall, gangly 11-year-old, so (laughs) I knew if I could be like Katherine Hepburn, then people would want to start hanging out with me. So I just studied everything about her when I watched her movies and read her books. And I tried to walk like her, and talk like her, and dress like her. And at the time, didn't realize that when you're 11, dressing in like men's slacks and a turtleneck, and trying to talk with a Bryn Mawr accent, like doesn't win you a ton of friends. (laughs) The more I got to know Catherine, the more she became this sort of presence and and voice that was always in my head. And when when I would be scared or need encouragement, she would sort of pop up. And like when I would be in the cafeteria with my tray full of food and be petrified with fear about where I should sit and who I should talk to, Catherine would chime in and just say, Buck up, sit down, and eat. And, and I would, and it would be fine. And she became this sort of guiding moral compass voice that I lived my life by. Catherine Hepburn is by far the closest thing I've ever found uh, to like a spiritual or like religious faith in anything. And and she was there for me through everything. She was there uh, when I uh, was sitting on the couch in between my parents on New Year's Eve 1999, heartbroken because I was one of the only kids not invited to a big fancy like New Year's Eve 2000 party. But Catherine was there and she said, Family's what's important. You have them, you're lucky. And I felt a little better. <laughs> and so she was also there when when I wasn't so cute and when I was claiming my independence. Um once I was gardening with my dad, and we kind of split up and we had a big yard, and I was off in my own little corner pulling weeds. And because I wanted to do everything like Catherine Hepburn, I also wanted to see what it would be like to shake like Catherine Hepburn. And in case you're not familiar, Catherine Hepburn developed a sort of Parkinson's-like tremor or shake. Uh, If you would like an example, I recommend On Golden Pond because it's really in full force there and it's a good movie. Don't you think that
2: everyone looks back on their childhood with a certain amount of bitterness and regret about something... It doesn't have to ruin it, life, darling. You're a big girl now.
5: So anyway, I was pulling weeds and just kind of shaking and doing my thing, and my mom saw me from from the deck up on the house, and she yelled down, Joe, what are you doing? Are you trying to shake like Catherine Hepburn? And I hear Catherine in the back of my mind say, It's time to show him who's boss, kid. And and I turn around and yell at my mom, stop being such a cunt. And I had never said anything like that before in my life. And my mom then flew down from the deck with a bar of soap and shoved it in my mouth. And I think I was I was thirteen at the time, so that was demeaning but but powerful at the same time. And, and she's the reason that I finally did get friends and find myself. Um, when I was 14, right at the beginning of high school, there was a new kid at school named Peter, and he was fabulous. And he invited me to his birthday party, which was unsupervised, so I was very excited. And at this party, Peter offered me my first cigarette. And I knew smoking was bad because I grew up in the 90s, but I couldn't help but say yes, because Katherine Hepburn had smoked, so I was going to smoke, and it was going to be awesome. And it was. And, and Peter became my smoking buddy, and then my real buddy, and, and we're still great friends. So with Katherine's help, I made it through high school. I had a group of friends who didn't care that I brought up weird tidbits about Katherine Hepburn whenever they were mildly applicable. And um, I, I was on a, a trip looking at colleges with my parents in Boston towards the end of high school. And we had just finished touring like five campuses. And we got back to the hotel room and I got into my PJs and hopped into bed. And I saw on my phone I had a text message uh, from Peter. And it said, sorry about your girl, frowny face. And I was like, what the hell could he be talking about? Oh, my God. The only place there was internet in the hotel was in the hotel lobby, so I grabbed my dad's laptop and ran down in my PJs, whipped it open, and went to CNN.com, and the headline read, Actress Katherine Hepburn Dies at Age 96. And I had sat there for about an hour before I started looking around this lobby I was sitting in crying, and and there, there was uh, a sort of grand ballroom attached to it, and there were people going in and out in dressed beautifully with big smiles on their faces, and they, they were at a wedding reception. As I'm watching them, one of them sees me, and, and it's an older woman, and she starts coming toward me, and, and she gets to me and puts her hand on my shoulder and asks me if I'm okay, and I want to say, no, I am not okay. We have just lost an American hero, and you guys are having a fucking party, but I, I can't say that. And then I can't tell her the truth, which is, I'm just here being 17 crying about Katherine Hepburn being dead. So so I tell her the first thing I can think of, which is, I lost a friend. And she pats me on my shoulder and tells me, everything's going to be fine. But I know everything is not going to be fine. I don't know what I'm going to do without Katherine Hepburn. There was no hope and no joy left now that she was gone. And, and for weeks, I stayed in this funk, and, and my friend Peter took me out to coffee one day to try and cheer me up and try to get me to talk about anything other than the fact that Katharine Hepburn was still dead. And finally, he was a little fed up, and he took my hand and looked me in the eye and said, look, I don't want to sound insensitive, but you do know that you didn't actually know Katharine Hepburn, right? And somehow, I had lost sight of the fact that that I knew I didn't actually know Katharine Hepburn. And, and this was, was jarring news to me, even though it was clearly the truth. And, and this sort of weight lifted off me when he said that, and he was right. I didn't know Katharine Hepburn. Of course I don't actually know Katharine Hepburn. She was an old lady on the East Coast and I was a teenager in Oregon. But but she had been such a constant presence in my life, she, she was my conscience, my, my Jiminy Cricket voice, that I had completely lost sight of the fact that she wasn't an actual person in my life. But this was good news, because it meant that all of that independence and self-esteem that I sort of attributed to her giving me, I had really been cultivating myself over many years. And... And that woman who I fell in love with on the screen in Father David's drama-slash-religion class was just a fabulous catalyst for me growing into myself, and Catherine Hepburn didn't make me grow up because I didn't actually know her. So, even now when I am faced with situations that I think are way out of my league, I'll hear in the back of my mind... Stiff up a lip, kid, and I'll be so grateful that I had a fabulous role model like Katherine Hepburn. But I'll also be thankful that I know that I can
2: take it from here. I believe in the example of a perfect human being. Mm-hmm. That if it certainly proved that if you can live for other people, away from yourself, you will be happy, and if you live for yourself. You will be unhappy, and I really believe this very passionately in so far as people do live uh, with uh, the other fellow in mind, they have to be happy.